Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a pair of pastor scholars study a scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. I'm your host, John Drury. I'm Spiritual Engagement Coordinator for Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And my guest this week is Amanda Drury. Mandy's no stranger to the show. Uh, She is my dear wife and a professor of practical theology and youth ministry at uh, Indiana Wesleyan University and the author of a number of books. Just check her out on Amazon. And uh, yeah, we're going to look at Psalm 1 today, the first psalm in the book of Psalms. So turn there if you like. Thanks for listening. And we hope that you enjoy this show. And while you're listening, if you're particularly liking this one, make sure to just share it with someone else by tapping on the share button on your podcast player app of choice and pass it along on social media or privately via text to get the word out about the show. And if you'd like to become a patron saint of the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text, find out ways uh, to support us. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this conversation with Amanda. So we're looking at Psalm 1, Psalm chapter 1. Would you be willing to read the passage, whatever translation you choose? Sure. And I'll say a prayer and we'll go from there. All right. I am reading this from the NIV. Like 1990s version, I think, right? Okay. So not the latest NIV. Not the 2011. It's changed a lot. That's Mm -hmm. why I mentioned it. Great. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we ask first that you would uh, forgive us and cleanse us from our walking and standing and sitting in the places uh, that you Do not wish us to walk or stand or sit. Father, then we also turn and ask that you would, by your Spirit, stir in us a delight in your instruction. Blessed is the one who does not do those things, but delights in the Torah of the Lord. So, Lord, stir that delight in us, in Amanda and I, and in all our listeners, that our desire would be drawn to receive your instruction. And may our meditations here this hour inspire ongoing meditation day and night in all those who are listening in. May they all be planted like trees by a stream of water, yielding fruit and unwithering leaves. 
may all they do prosper. And may we be known and embraced by you in the way that we walk. So keep us, Lord, on that way in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I think I should make a promise to our listeners that I won't pray the whole psalm every time we have a psalm, but this one was short, so I I just camped out. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I was moved. It's a good psalm. (laughs) I was moved. (laughs) So what do you notice here? What's interesting in this text today? What do you observe? Oh, every time, every time I read Psalm 1 or think about it, I'm reminded of a sermon that Dan Seaborn gave, gave when I was in high school, I guess. I bet you could re-preach the whole thing right now. <laughs> I, I mean, it, yeah, it was memorable. And the thing that I remember was just those first two verses, the progression of walking and standing and sitting that you're not doing any of the, the, any of those things. So uh, he, I remember him saying that sometimes that walking, you know, you're just you're just going to walk by the sin. You're not going to stop. But then eventually, you know, you walk enough, and then eventually you, you you stop and you're standing there, and then eventually you take a seat. And I remember him making some point about just how easy it is to go from uh, just walking by to actually camping out and and making a seat there. Uh, so I'm always struck by the just the physical movement of those first few verses the blocking, if you will. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really striking. And that progression is very real. I mean, they could have, they could have chosen different verbs. It's very, it seems to be intentional. Do you know what I mean? These aren't just in three ways of saying the same thing. There is a sort of increasing intensity. What, what, what translation are you reading? Cause I looked at different translations this morning and, and the NIV has that progression. I think the clearest out of the ones that I saw. Uh, so you saw somewhere the progression was undermined? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what'd you have? Walk, stand, sit in a, Right, walk, stand, in, sit. In NIV? Mm-hmm. Uh, NLT is, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join them with mockers. So there that's follow, stand, join. That's NLT? That's NLT. So like, and of course that's maybe more recent NLT too. But So, I mean, that's capturing the dynamic equivalence. That is the meaning of the imagery. Like it's not like the essence of righteousness is not avoiding sitting next to a scoffer. Right. right? It's right. so it isn't literal. It is a metaphor. And so but the question is it's poetry. And so the moment you translate out of a metaphor and start to explain the metaphor a little bit, yeah. it actually makes it less poetic. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the loss is the the imagery because that is kind of, I guess, what it means. To walk in the counsel of someone is to walk in accordance with their advice. Sure. Is to live in accordance with their advice. Yeah. So don't yeah. take advice from sin. I mean, that, that is what that means. That's not a – so I don't think that's an incorrect translation. I think it's just a – it's a judgment question of whether that's helpful hmm. or if there's too much lost in finding some non-poetic, non-metaphorical – you know, I'd almost, I mean, this is me just talking now, but I would almost rather a translation find a contemporary idiom hmm. to say the same thing than to put it more abstractly, like take the advice of. Sure, sure. I don't know what that would be. We could think of it for maybe one of the three, but. Don't retweet the advice of a. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> right. Don't don't get, you could do it with all three of them. Yeah. You could play with that. So. I mean, in some ways, like that's 
cheesier and, and not very timeless and, mm-hmm. you know, but it would actually be more if you could find a way to do it poetically, right? It needs to do it. <laughs> yeah, po- you've yeah. heard the term poetic justice. Like, can sure. you do that? That has a double meaning. Poetic justice is like justice in the real world. That's kind of poetic. It just like fits that they got this, but it also has a double, this other meaning of like, what does it mean to do justice to poetry? When especially, you know what I mean? Like to, to capture the, the concreteness of the imagery. Yeah. Walking, standing, then sitting. It's such a clear progression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let, let, let's, let's explore whether like, okay, so the verbs are obviously a progression. Right. Let's take a glance at then the, the nouns, Ooh, not the okay. persons. Okay. Let's look at the nouns. Yeah. So we have counsel. counsel. Wicked. We have way path. What do you have? Way of sinners. Okay. Counsel of the wicked way of sinners. Seat of mockers. Seat. Okay. So here's, here's Robert Alter Scott walked in the wicked's council. So that's same council mm-hmm. way of offenders and the session of the scoffers. The session. Yeah. Huh. That's, that's the advantage of a word like that. Is it, it's halfway between NLT and the NIV, right? It was just seat. What's the seat of mockers? I don't know right, what that right. means. What am I sitting in their chair when they're not there? You know? So session implies, okay, I'm there with them. Whereas I think there's join with, hmm. it was in a, NLT. Yeah, it's accurate. Yeah. That, that's what that means. The yeah. Sit in the seat of mockers doesn't mean keep their seat warm while they go to the bathroom. It means be with them, join with them. But then you still get the verb, sat in the session hmm. of scoffers, right? Right. Anyway, that's just, I'm always reading Alter. So <laughs> all our regular listeners are like, yeah, yeah, we get it, John. You like Robert Alter. But I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a good. So counsel would be like advice that you would take it or leave it as you walk. Right, right. Whereas standing in the way or the road, again, is a little bit, maybe a little bit of a progress. I don't know. I, I, I think it's more of a, that. so the counsel of the wicked still sounds a little bit like a, you, you've got this counsel, you might take it, you might not. Like yeah, you're, along you're, your you're, way. You're considering, you're considering right. this along the way. Whereas in the way of sinners sounds like you're already not walking in the life. same direction yes. with them. Right. Yeah. And then obviously seat has lots of connotations. It means association, who you sit with at a meal, mm-hmm. it's identity now. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's also authority, you know, cause the seat is like a seat of royalty. It's like, what do I look at? What, who do I, I'm now sitting myself in judgment over others as I scoff. Yeah. And it's got to take a lot of gumption on your part to get out of that seat. Nah. Oh yeah. Is that a direct quote from that sermon when you were in junior high? Nope. how about the third the the persons okay wicked sinners mockers yeah so wicked could just be it could be translated like the ungodly or the impious It, Mm -hmm. it, it is a slightly gentler word it can be okay wicked sounds pretty intense it does to a modern ear i mean it's not a wrong translation i just it has a not that ungodly is a good thing, but it's a little – there's the possibility of, of a uh, progression there. Well, and I think that wicked we're, to we're sinner. Gentler. Sinner seems a little less. Everybody's a sinner, but we're not yeah. all wicked is yeah. what I'd be inclined to say. Yeah. But I think, well, you know, lots of people are ungodly, but like sinner as like an identity seems more intense. But I don't know. I might be pressing the problem. Well, and, and where I'm sitting, 
least right now, it looks like mocker is the least problematic of those three words here. I mean, because people talk about mocking. I, I, I think if you were to put the, pull this up, the average person on the street, they would identify which mocker, three? wicked no, sinner, mocker. Yeah. Which three would you identify with or which one would be okay being called? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I would think most people would say mocker. Well, yeah, you know, I mock this or that or the way that we use the term, I think. Well, this is significant then to think if there is a progression here, mm-hmm. not just in the verbs, but in the, the characters, I guess it's one thing to be wicked yourself. It's another to now scoff and mock others. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, and, and it, I don't know if that's a, maybe, I don't know if that's a social contextual. There, there does seem to be relational implications. Yeah. That word. Yeah, so I mean, the impious, the ungodly, the wicked might have some wickedness in the heart and give bad counsel. Mm-hmm. Whereas the sinner is an offender; it's one who's acted, right? Yeah. In terms of that that term, and then yeah, the scoffers are. I mean, you are just put. I mean, that's the thing is, I I think you're pointing out something really important, which is that that's the height of evil in this little little story, and we're only in verse one. Yeah. That the height of evil is, in fact, to set oneself over against probably the godly and make fun of them. Hmm. Because that's blasphemy. I mean, I think there's an implied kind of blasphemy against God and against his people hmm. because of this kind of and, – and, and, and maybe I'm jumping too, too much of a conclusion here, but I can see a little bit of the hardness of heart here. Okay. That imagery from Egypt, yeah, yeah. from the Pharaoh story. Yeah. Right. By the time you're sitting in the seat of scoffers, now you have a hard heart. Yeah. Not just following that advice, not just having a bad habit, but a hard heart. Oh man, we're already working on a sermon, are <laughs> Oh, and th- th- there's an arrogance. And then how do you correct that? In there too. And yeah. You're not susceptible yeah. to correction. You still get corrected when you're just on the way. How do you correct a scoffer? Because even your own correction will be scoffed at, be right. mocked as pious. Oh, and there's problems all over now. the place about that, about not not co- not correcting a mocker. Of course, it also then says to correct a mock. Right, but. right. Well, alas, yeah. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break and uh, explore this some more. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Amanda Drury. You're one of my favorite guests. Thanks, John. I just said one of. I have others, but... Should I have said favorite and just lied to you? As long as I'm the only one you take home. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. You are definitely the only one <sighs> that I live with. Okay. Yeah, I haven't had one of the kids on yet. Maybe one of these days. you got to get Clara on here. She'd do great. She would. All right. So Psalm 1. Let me read it. I'll read from Robert Alter's translation. And then we'll uh, continue to interpret. So happy is the man who has not walked in the wicked's counsel, nor in the way of offenders has stood, nor in the session of scoffers has sat. But the Lord's teaching is his desire, and his teaching he murmurs day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, And in all that he does, he prospers. Not so the wicked, but like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in judgment, nor offenders in the band 
of the righteous. For the Lord embraces the way of the righteous, and the way of the wicked is lost. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. Amen. So yeah, let's talk about verse 2 a little bit, if that's okay. Or did you, sure. or did you want to run, did you have something brewing? I see your gears turning. Oh, I, I don't think I'd caught the connection between verse 1 and 5 before, mm-hmm. where we're going back into some of that blocking, the, the standing in judgment, the assembly of the righteous. Yeah, let's do that. Let's camp out there. So we've get the wicked. The term returns. Term returns. Right? Want me to? I'll double check it. But what else? What What are some of the parallel? You said something about the, so, the so, gathering or the congregation. Yeah. So blessed is the one who's not standing in this in the way of sinners. But the wicked, the wicked can't stand in judgment. And so there's a sense of even though in verse one you might be standing. Now, you won't be standing when judgment comes. Yeah. That you won't be able to take a seat with the righteous. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I mean, it's a, different, it's a different Hebrew verb, but I think it's intended, nevertheless, to resonate because mm-hmm. the imagery is the same, even if it's a different verb. And the congregation of the righteous then parallels the, at least the seat of scoffers. Right. Right. Which implies a kind of gathering, a community. Yes. So what is your community? Is it the seat of scoffers or the, what do you have there? Assembly of the righteous. Assembly, the band of the righteous, the congregation of the righteous. I don't know if that's a religious term in the sense of, you know, the when people gather for worship or if it just means, you know, your associates, your friends, mm-hmm. your community. I think you could take it either way. And then there's one more, at least one more parallel Ooh, the way of the wicked? Right. So way of the righteous. Yeah. Um, okay. Huh. And there it is the same. Stand, seat, way. Right. Counsel. And so the counsel of the wicked, I would think, would have some parallel with the, the, the teaching, the instruction, the law of the Lord that appears in verse 2. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So that So I think even though it's not sequential, you do get all three of those get a counterpoint. Sure. Which is something I... Don't remember any sermons on from I, – I definitely remember a lot of sermons on the progression when I was a kid because a lot of sermons on sin because, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just more fun to talk about sin to teenagers because <laughs> uh, we're interested. <laughs> uh, but to see that there's also a correct a correcting of that pattern is also given to us. There's the – Yeah. The counsel of the wicked is replaced by the Torah Yahweh, right? The, the law of the Lord, the teaching, the instruction of the Lord on which we meditate. And then the uh, the way of sinners is replaced with the way of the righteous in six, which the Lord knows and embraces through knowing. Right, and then the seat of scoffers is contrasted with the congregation of the righteous. Yeah, yeah, and it also applies that they won't get away with it. So hmm. in those early verses, when they're saying, you know, avoid it, avoid it, avoid it, you know, how often does it seem like? I mean, there's verses about that. It seems like the the wicked get away with it. Mm. Uh, and, and this, this, the end of this chapter is reminding us, you know, no, the, the Lord, the Lord is watching over things like this. They will not remain in those places where they are at. And you don't want to be with them when that time comes. Oh yeah. No, it's both. It's threat, but also hope. Yeah. Right? No, that's good. Well, let's talk about that metaphor. And we can come back to verse two later, if at all. 
I, I'll just say it now real quick. Delight in verse 2. It's almost always translated delight, which isn't wrong, but it's a stretch. Hmm. I actually like that Alter had the guts to just say desire because it's just the word for desire, and it's a pretty hmm. standard term. Okay. And I think that's just more helpful. I think so, too. I mean, I yeah, of course you delight in the law of the Lord, but delight maybe comes and goes a little bit. Whereas maybe a desire can be more fixed. Maybe I'm making too much out of that. Delight can sometimes sound too cheery to me, too infused with joy. And, which is good, but, which is good, but, but then I don't not, want to question whether I'm wicked just because yeah, I'm not in the mood yeah, <laughs> for yeah. the law. Uh, but fundamentally, I always desire, desire. Fundamentally, at a deeper level, yeah. I always desire the law yeah. of the Lord. I just don't always delight in it. I don't always feel it. There, there's a depth, I think, that comes with that. Mm. Well, desire links a little bit more with the will. At least mm-hmm. in modern parlance, whereas delight ha- is a little bit more linked to the emotions. Right. I'm not saying the emotions aren't irrelevant, <laughs> of course not, but rather that there's a fixing. There's a the will is fixed on the law. Mm. You know. Again, it's not delight's not wrong. It's just a little bit of a stretch. That's helpful. I, I looked. That's I looked helpful. it up, and I was like, eh. okay. I, you know, I immediately, you know, I just turn in my dictionary, and it's like desires definition i'm like huh weird well maybe this is an idiom and i looked up it's like yeah maybe it is but (laughs) almost everywhere else in the bible it's going to be translated desire so that's all i wanted to toss in there let's talk about the metaphor here in the middle because this is in your sweet spot here i love that metaphor what do you love about it the the phrase yields its fruit in season it just i I feel relieved when i read a verse like that hmm just um, implying that perhaps there are seasons when there's not as much fruit and it's not this impossible standard. It's the, it's the, it's, it, there's a timeliness here. The during, during the, the right time you'll be bearing fruit in the right season. And it, it just feels a bit permissive giving it. It seems to imply times of, of rest or barrenness without something being wrong. Hmm. I've always loved that though, that in season. In season. Well, I've got a little little footnote here. Let's, let's take a look. Let's hear it. I haven't even read it yet. So let's find <laughs> out if it's good. So like a tree planted by streams of water, these words inaugurate the second traditional image of the poem. The first one was the one we already discussed, the walked, stood, sat. In a semi-arid climate like that of Israel, everyone recognized that a tree had to be near a water source to flourish. And so this becomes a standard metaphor in Hebrew poetry for perdurable success. Perdur is that like, I think that's like something perdur is like, it continues. Yeah, it's a big word. Okay. I, I am, I'm reading I, something. I know, I know. <laughs> you choose that word, perdurable. Perdurable success, fruitfulness, and blessing. All this is succinctly invoked in the bearing of fruit and the evergreen leaf of the second and third versets. The image of the wind-blown chaff, then, makes for a neat contrast to the rooted, well-watered, and green leafy tree. He shall be like a tree planted by streams of water, bears its fruit in its season, it's a nice contrast, by the way, there with the, the murmuring or meditating or chewing on the law day and night. Mm-hmm. So it's like the law of the Lord is always right. The fruitfulness yeah. is in season. Oh, that's good. I like that. 
like that. Me too. I just thought that. Okay. That's a good one. Um, and its leaf does not wither, so it implies it's – you could take that in two ways. One, it's not going to die or that it's a it's a year-round. So it's always has a leaf, although, although so fruit would still be seasonal. So this tree is not an Indiana. Oh, boy. Yeah. No, definitely not. All that he does, he prospers, which could refer to the tree. It could be it, you know, in all that it does, it prospers because tree is a he in Hebrew for what it's worth. But it could be the person as well, or it could be a double kind of meaning because obviously it is a double meaning because of the metaphor. So that's a mountain out of molehill. I'll ignore that last part. You want to talk about the chaff? I love that word. Yeah. Because it, what, what is it? When the word sounds like what it is, onomatopoeia? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Chaff. It's onomatopoeia. I, I don't know. Which is a word that's not onomatopoetic. Uh-huh. Is right? Onomatopoeia doesn't sound like, on, doesn't sound like what it is, does it? No. Onomatopoeia. <laughs> Six syllables. Like buzz. Buzz. Murmur. Murmur. That's one. Yep. Which is this word here of meditate. That's murmur. It implies even like if you were to take it very literal, it would be, which there's no need to do. But if you took it in a literal way, it would be the, like you would have song, you'd have, you'd have the words of God memorized, maybe the Shema from Deuteronomy 6 or something. Uh-huh. And you'd find yourself murmuring it under your, saying it under your breath. Yeah. Yeah. All day and all night. Yeah. And I think there's something in that literalness that is worth noticing. Yeah. Because it's poetry and because. There's something beautiful there. And this is but that's also onomatopoetic, so that's okay. <laughs> this is running Chaff. running with the poetry perhaps a bit more. But the wind blowing. I love how the wind blows and the chaff just disappears. But a wind blowing by a tree is going to be mm. taking some of that. It, that tree is reproducing in the process there. The you know, it's the same wind has a completely different result in in the chaff and the tree. I say we take that run, man. John chapter three, the wind blows where it wills. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, you do not know where it's coming or where it's going, but you hear its sound or its voice. Yeah. And there it's pneuma, which could be translated spirit or wind or breath. And the same is true here in the Hebrew. Yeah. And so, and so the, wind, the wind blows away the chaff, but it only strengthens the mm-hmm. position of the tree. Mm-hmm. No, that's lovely. No, I think that works really well. And I can't help but think of this as at least potentially suggestive of the... I mean, the first time this word ruach appears, it's in Genesis 1, and it's the the ruach Elohim, right? The breath of God Hmm. blowing against the waters of the deep, right? Genesis 1, verse 2. So, I mean, in some sense, this is God's breath, God's Mm. wind, God's spirits blowing. And that's just a beautiful, uh, you know, that just, that just makes the trees kind of come alive as the leaves rustle, the spirits, but then that same spirit on wickedness blows it away. Right. Right. It's not that God is one way towards the richest and one way towards the, I said richest, Uh, the righteous and the wicked. The in, rain, in some the rain falls on the righteous and unrighteous. Right. The wind so blows as well. The same divine wind is blowing, but the result is different because of the character of the person. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes the I difference. Like that. I like that. That's the judgment that the wicked will not stand up in. That's right. already being foreshadowed in the in the tree imagery of the wicked being like chaff. 
All right. Anything else you want to slip in uh, interpreting wise before we come back and explore some sermon starters? For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Does that imply that the Lord isn't watching over their way? Well, this won't solve your problem. This just makes it worse. But it's uh, the verb is no. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Huh. Now, that word no has all kinds of connotations. It's not just like mental knowledge. Like, that's why I said it's even worse if she, he doesn't know the other. Is it that God's, um, is this some sort of limit on God's omniscience? But that's kind of not really the point of the language of knowing. I mean, it's, it's a metaphor in Hebrew for intimacy, right? I was going to ask so, that. Okay. Uh, Alter tries to solve this by calling it embrace. The Lord embraces the way of the righteous. Hmm. I like that a little better I than do. watches over kind of implies a kind of a distance. Yeah. That is not impossible, but not the primary sense of the verb in Hebrew. Okay. Okay. And it seems like you shared that objection maybe for theological or homiletical reasons. What were you thinking? Maybe it was just a face of agreement. But. It was just a face of agreement. <laughs> My favorite face. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, I got her to agree. Uh, no, I was just checking out the NLT, and it's it's the same thing there. If the Lord watches over the path of the godly, it, it does seem so It's not removed. wrong, but yeah, no has that. It, it's either, it can be that just kind of literal knowing, but then if you're, mo- it, its range of meaning slides more towards intimacy than it does towards distant observing. There's a whole bunch of Hebrew words for observing, mm-hmm. watching over. I mean, there's, it's one of the favorite verbs in the in the Psalms, keeps, right? You could say that the Lord keeps the way of the righteous. That's how you'd say he keeps watch. Okay, okay. And protects, and is kind of at a distance, but ready to help if needed. Hmm. There's a verb for that. <laughs> Psalmist doesn't use that verb. It uses the word to know, which implies an embrace and an intimacy, a closeness, an involvement, yeah. which then does imply, I think, a distance from the way of the wicked that will perish in the sense that God is, in some sense, over that clearly sovereign over it and will execute judgment over it. But there's a sense in which the, the divine presence is kind of, again, not setting limits on omnipresence. Don't send me letters or do send me letters. That's fine. Uh, who sends a letter anymore? Uh, <laughs> um, but a kind of withdrawing of divine involvement in the wicked, sure. okay. in the wicked's way. Okay. And again, it's, it plays the, just go back to the metaphor. It works perfectly in verse four. Right. The, so the, here's the, the, there's a metaphor for verse six, A and B. Six A, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. What does that look like? Well, here's an imagery for it. It's like God having water, God being like streams of living water next to you, the tree. Right. That's a knowing. Yeah. That's a closeness. Yeah. Intimacy roots are dug into it. Whereas the way the wicked will perish, that would correspond to the chaff being blown by the spirit of God. Right. So, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Let's take a break and explore some sermon starters. Okay. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Amanda Drury, and we're looking at Psalm 1. Let's explore some sermon starters or other directions, any kind of applicational, any way to apply this text. What do you have in mind? Where would you want to go with this? Perhaps you, if you were preaching on this text, what... What take would you have? What focus would you, know, you bring? We we both talked about hearing sermons about the the progression, the physical placement of the person, and I, I think I, I think I would go there. 
I, I think there's a reason why that's a memorable image. I, I, I like the thought though of, I like the thought of comparing the different ways of being, of, uh, of physically being present in this psalm. Even comparing the, the, the thought of, okay, even sitting with the seat of mockers, you know, that seems like you're pretty settled there. You're, you're, you're seated. But even that, that is not, you're not rooted. Ah, yeah, okay. So, so contrasting the, um, the tree, the, the, the tree. The other big metaphor. Yeah, I think, I think there's a way of, of bringing those together. Yeah, I don't want people to only come away remembering the logic of sin. Right, right. I want them also to be exposed. Yeah, to be exposed to the logic of grace. That's that's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. Um, that that there is a place more secure than even finding a comfortable seat. Yeah. So what's the standing in the way of sinners contrast in terms of that same image, the image of the tree? So if if rooted, not that we have to go one to one here, but it might help. So if if standing, if sitting in the way, uh, sitting in the seat of scoffers can be contrasted with the roots. Of the tree. Okay. Then the stand in the way of sinners would perhaps be, you know, being by streams of water, maybe, because that's kind of a way of sorts. I know I'm being playful here, sure, but that's okay. Sure. It's, I think it invites that. Yeah. You know, so instead of standing in the way of sinners, you're standing, you know, next to streams of water, right? Right. And what are those streams of water that are always going by? Well, probably that's the law of the Lord, referenced in the previous verse. Uh-huh, that you're meditating that's on. That's right. You're, you're, you're drinking. Day and night. Day and night. Yeah, the river's not just there during the day. It's there at night, too, coming in through the roots, even when it's not conscience. And I think an aside that would talk a little bit about the power of, you know, memorizing Scripture and yeah. just chewing on it all day yeah. would be helpful, even if it's just an aside. And then the counsel of the wicked, walking in the counsel of the wicked. Now, walking is standard Hebrew imagery for like a, your way of life, hmm. you know, your patterns of behavior and your your style, your way of being, which may correspond very good to the fruit, perhaps hmm. the bearing of fruit. Again, I think it's I think it's a lot to follow the psalm is actually to not work too hard to press. The parallelism of sure. each three, but yeah. to kind of watch the one unwind, like kind of unfold the first one, and then maybe the second half of the sermon would build on the second metaphor, the positive one, maybe, would be a possible way to do it. Let me, let me, let me play with this for a minute. I might not like where this is going. But if, if there is a overall desire for, for belonging, to find the place where you belong— the, the the tree image is really the our strongest image of that of that here. Mm. So even when you're when you're trying to find your place, where do I fit in with these the wicked, the sinners, the mockers? Uh, everything everything that you can do in those verses is temporary. There's mm. a temporality to everything here. That the only thing here that that is of permanence that that lasts that yeah that that's firm is 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 this tree because of the other things around the tree. It's not just that, oh, trees are great. It's the streams. It's the wind. Uh, and so there's this clear sense of being rooted, not even necessarily because of anything you've done, but because of the, the those streams of grace around you. Oh, I think that's lovely. So, I mean, a question. You know, when you have a, a psalm like this that's pretty brief, you could build a sermon around it, build off these metaphors. Mm-hmm. So then you have some of these more 
distracting or troubling phrases. What's your advice for preachers? Like, so like, you know, verse five, you know, will not stand in the judgment, right? Or the way the wicked will perish. There's a lot of metaphor here that seems to be pretty strongly talking about, I don't know, death, hell, last judgment kind of stuff. It's like, it's not, you don't have to go there right away, but that's where the ears of some listeners are going to go. Right. What is your advice for preachers? Like, if you're not going to talk about that, is it better to just read the first three verses so as to not distract? You know, sometimes you can introduce something in a reading and like everybody's waiting for you to explain the weird stuff and you ignore it. (laughs) You know, a lot of preachers just avoid the weird stuff because it's not the main point of their sermon. So I guess I'm also asking a generic preacher advice. Like, how do you you not have the the distracting stuff take over your sermon without also not ignoring it completely? Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Well, if uh, I don't think it applies to this passage, but in some passages where you, every once in a while you get that one, like the the stop sinning or something worse will happen. Yeah. I, I always that that verse always trips John me up. John five, right? Yeah. And and I think I've even preached out of that before, and have just even acknowledged, like, look. I'm not even going to touch that verse right now and to to just even flat out admit it and and kind of laugh and move on. You know, Hey, that's a whole nother sermon right there. But that, so there is a sense in which I think that there's something that is so glaring, you acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but in in this case though, I don't, I don't think you necessarily need to do that. I, I, and I think it's that verse four that I think can really set the stage for what's going on here. The, the, the chaff that the wind blows away. So just the sense that, for the wickedness, it doesn't last. There's not a legacy here. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. There's a. There's a falling away of the stuff that you think is important. And, and it's so, like a natural consequence of the, yeah, the nature of the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, boy, if if you want what you're doing, if you want it to matter, if you want it to have st- substance, staying power. Yeah, the 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 wicked the wicked just blows away. It's a it's a ultimately of of little consequence. You know, if you want what you do to matter. Uh, to be rooted, to be established. I think I would more focus on focus on that side of things. No, I like that that belonging and rootedness. It does suddenly occur to me, and we don't have to camp on this, but that there's a little this reference to judgment here in verse five. Uh huh. Does sort of play a little bit with the the seat of scoffers even the language of seat hmm. implies a kind of place of authority okay. you know like okay. the, sure. the judge is in a, is in their chair and they're yeah. rendering judgment and the more, the imagery and the, the 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 morality here is all very this worldly it's only our kind of you know uh later developments in Judaism and early Christianity that kind of would see passages like this talking about some kind of last final judgment or something like that. I don't sure. think that's even on the radar in the original yeah, yeah. writers, but uh, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, you guys used to see, sit in your, you know, sit in your corners Hold court as, yourself. If, you, as yeah. if you were judging everyone else, yeah. but now that judgment's falling back upon you. Now that, that's the poetic justice. That's a big part of the Psalms in general. So uh, whether that's a, Again, I appreciated your advice on that's just this judgment call. Do you need to do you need to name it and set it aside or incorporate it briefly or you know there's that we have options as preachers. Right, right. You don't always have to go down the road of every little troubling thing. But. And and in some ways, I mean, 
it's almost like God is just kind of wiping you off, wiping them off the shoulder. It's not like this big thunderbolt lightning. It's, it's this, this chaff, this, this blowing away. Mm. There's, it's almost like a, it doesn't even warrant more of a impressive punishment. If that makes sense. Yeah. Just yeah, right? the wind yeah. blows it away. You know, that, that probably didn't sound good on the mic. It was probably <laughs> popping. What, what, what is that Bart, Bart line? Uh, you know, what do you get? One stern glance to the devil. Yeah. Well, connected with that then, sorry, I keep camping on verse five, but I just, I want to understand it. It just occurred to me. So if we think of these as this worldly mm-hmm. categories, as the Psalms in their first sense almost always are, okay. wicked will not stand in, in a judgment, could just be referring to saying, ultimately, when they go to court, they're going to get, yeah, they're going to get their sure, own, right? Sure. This doesn't have to be divine judgment. Right. Although God is at work behind the scenes, you know, uh, and then if congregation of the righteous or assembly of the righteous, if that has religious connotations, which I think it might, I'm not certain of that. I haven't done enough research to say that for sure. So if that's something, if any of our listeners want to run with that, you'd want to look into it a little bit. But if that's implying like the assembly, the gathering like for a festival at, uh-huh. at the temple, you really do have these kind of two core institutions of Israel's life and our modern life in, in mm-hmm. at least uh, for believers, right? This kind of, you basically have church and state as it were, <laughs> right? Right. That this promise that even if they seem to be flourishing now, back to the opening yeah. line, blessed, which yeah. means to flourish, yeah. right? To live the good life. That's what that word's about. That even if they seem to flourish for a while, ultimately the wicked and the sinners will not have standing, which is a term we still use yes. in yes. in legal settings. I Do you like have that. standing like before a court, right? Yeah. So Supreme Court in America decides whether to give you standing and then they hear your case. There's two separate moments. You have to maybe you know that <laughs> you have to get you only have to get four out of nine justices to get standing hmm. to hear the case. Okay. But you have to get five out of nine to win the case. This is interesting. Huh. But anyway, so like this lack of standing this failure to be able to stand in the courts or in the temple, right? You kind of get, and, and at that time, of course, the court would be at the city gate, right? So you kind of have the edge of the city and then in the heart of the city at the temple. Yeah, I'm, play, I'm, I'm running with this too much, but there is a whole other imagery in verse five that if you're just like, especially if you're, with a, if you're teaching or preaching mm. in a setting or you yourself are a listener who's very familiar with the psalm, You've done the progression dynamics of verse one, yada, yeah, yada, yeah. yawn. You've done that before. This is a different angle if you wanted to play with sure, it, is this like verse that. five. Yeah. And again, you could still contrast verse five then with not just with what comes after, but the imagery of the tree, hmm. because that's this imagery of stability. What did you have? You had the stability of its root. You had its, yeah, its rootedness. It's watered in terms of the, the water. Right. Yeah. And then it's fruitfulness and then it's longevity would be the, the fourth line. The leaf does not wither. It, yeah. it goes on. And there's, there's a beauty to that too. I mean, I, yeah. I, I keep, I keep picturing a, a, a large healthy tree next to a stream with a folding chair next to it. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a point that I wanted to make earlier when you're talking, do you want to say more about that before I make my point? Sorry. <laughs> I mean, j- just that, that image. What do you, what, what do you want? Do you want to be this tree? You want to sit in the seat of mockers? I mean, that you you catch the permanence and the beauty of of that, even to have that mental image in your in your mind. And I think chaff comes from from wheat harvesting, yes, right? Yeah. But I can't help but 
as an American movie watcher, right? I can't help but think of like a tumbleweed just kind of blowing away. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Versus a tree next to a river. Yeah. Boy, I mean, this would be my big advice for anyone who's preaching or teaching on this, especially if you have time to prepare and you're going to be using any actual imagery, not just word imagery, but like actually whether it's PowerPoint or whether it's you've got your worship staff and they, they make stuff, they make a paper mache things or things out of wood for your platform while preaching, really camp in on the tree image. I think that's the heart of the song. It is. So it is. even if you're going to spend half the sermon talking yeah. about how wickedness works, you want that image of the tree up there as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. I think because so. that's the heart of the psalm. Right there in the middle of it. And that would be my only struggle with the way I was experienced this psalm as a child, is all I ever remembered was the, don't hang around sin too long, or next thing you know, <laughs> it'll have you. Which is true, but I don't remember a lot of pictures of that tree. I remember the tree of life, which of course is picking up on this imagery, the tree of life at the end sure, of Revelation. Sure. But that was delayed for the next life, the next world. Right now it's running away from sin so that I can get that tree later. Yeah. Yeah. So to see that as an image of life now. Right. Being rooted a, in this life now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's encouraging to me at least. It is. It is. Well, thanks so much, Mandy. It was great to have you. Thanks, John. Love having you on the show. Thank you. Thanks to all our listeners. We appreciate you chiming in. Uh, thanks to uh, Todd and Eric for their production work. Cannot imagine doing this show without you guys. Thank you. Uh, thanks to our patron saints who support the show. If you would like to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text and see some ways that you can uh, support us. Thanks to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. And yeah, last of all, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>